Martin it's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. W.P. Andrew Lee. Dr. Lee is responsible for the plastic surgery and reconstructive surgery at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center and is world-recognized for his pioneering work in hand transplantation. Dr. Lee joins us today by telephone, and it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Lee to regenerative medicine today. Good to be here. So can you briefly describe the program that you've implemented and some of the patients that you've been able to treat with this hand transplantation program? Sure. Our hand transplant program tries to restore amputees to their whole with transplantation of hands or arms from cadaver donors. And we've had the program going actively for the last year and three months and we have transplanted three patients, one single transplant or unilateral, and two bilateral transplants or double transplants. So what is the challenges in accomplishing what seems to be quite a medical feat? Well, whenever a body part is transplanted from one person to another, the recipient's immune system attempts to reject the tissues because they are foreign to the host or the recipient immune system. So our challenge is to minimize the rejection so the transplant tissues could live. And you've apparently done that in a very successful manner. Can you elaborate a little bit? Sure. The field of organ transplantation, as you know, has been going on for almost half a century, and many anti-rejection medications have been made available. And some of those medications have really resulted in new fields, such as kidney transplant and then liver transplant. For areas such as hand transplant, however, not only do we want to prevent rejection, we also want to prevent significant side effects from the anti-rejection medication for the transplant recipients. Therefore, we want to prevent rejection but yet not give so many medications that could be damaging to the health of the recipients. And as I understand, you somehow use the bone marrow from the donor as part of this approach? That's exactly right. We follow some of the latest advances in transplant immunology with a contribution from a number of scientists from the Starzl Transplant Institute at University of Pittsburgh. We worked out a protocol based on those advances and some of our own laboratory experiments in large animal models where we, in addition to transplanting the limb, also infuse the bone marrow from the donor into the recipient. And what we found in the large animal models is that such a combination resulted in significantly decreased needs for anti-rejection medication for a limb transplant. Is this what I understand is called the Pittsburgh Protocol? Yes, it is. So you've been able to reduce the number of and the strength of the immunosuppression drugs. Is there prospects that the patient would not have to take immunosuppression, or is that too futuristic? Well, that will be our eventual goal. And for all of our patients, our goal is to gradually taper the medications and see how much the body will tolerate less and less medication. So it is conceivable that some patient may be completely taken off the medication, but it really cannot be predicted in advance. 
So that summarizes perhaps one of the important aspects of your program, the immunosuppression. But in what I understand you call a composite tissue allograft in terms of transplanting a, a hand or an arm and a hand, seems to me there must be some other clinical challenges in accomplishing that. Is that a correct presumption? Well, the term composite tissue allotransplantation refers to really any body parts that can be transplanted. So it can include a hand, but also other body tissues that could be transplanted include facial tissues for those patients who have significant facial disfigurement, or even other parts. A larynx from the throat has been transplanted, knee joints have been transplanted, abdominal wall, the tissues including skin and fat from the abdomen have also been transplanted from one individual to another. So in terms of this particular approach, if I recall correctly, your first single-hand transplant was most of the arm was intact, and then you progressed to more of an arm-hand transplant in some of the subsequent patients. Is there a limitation on how much of an extremity you can transplant? Technically, there's no limitation. However, from a functional standpoint, the higher the amputation level, the greater distance nerves have to regrow for the transplanted limb to be functional. And therefore, at this time, for example, we do not perform lower extremity transplantation just because there's too long a distance for the nerves to grow back that it may not be to the patient's benefit. Research is going on all the time, and we are also working on nerve regeneration strategies to enhance nerve growth. So it's conceivable that such transplant, whether it's an upper arm or even a lower extremity, could be contemplated in the future. So is there a rule of thumb in terms of the current state of the art? How long does it take nerves to regrow? Well, the general rule is an inch a month. So I understand your previous comment in that context. Dr. Lee, as we said earlier, you've done three hand transplants to date. Could you perhaps give us a little more insight into these three patients? Sure. The first patient was a former Marine who lost his right hand from an explosion during training exercises. We performed the hand transplant in March of 2009, and he has done very well. He has regained a significant function in his new hand, including both sensibility as well as ability to move his hand and perform activities that require significant dexterity. In fact, he is currently learning to be an electrician using both hands, and he's also considering possibility even returning to the Marines. Our second patient was the first bilateral hand transplant performed in the U.S., and he received the transplant in May of 2009, so we just passed his one-year anniversary. He has been on the same Pittsburgh protocol that I just described earlier, which again allowed us to maintain the transplant on a single anti-rejection medication, therefore significantly reduced side effects from the more traditional triple drug regimen that the other hand transplant centers are using. And finally, just about three months ago, we performed another double hand transplant. The difference about this patient, however, was that his tissues below the elbow were so badly damaged on the right side, we could not use them at all. 
We therefore performed the first above-elbow transplant in the country on this patient's right arm. On the left arm, he received a transplant at the wrist level. He, of course, is our most recent patient, but he is making steady progress doing hand therapy every day and has already regained his ability to move his transplanted elbow and is also making progress in other areas of uh, hand function. Who are your sponsors for these particular studies? We've been fortunate to receive funding from the Department of Defense. We are a proud member of the Armed Forces Institute of Regenerative Medicine, and we, of course, are a part of the Pittsburgh Wake Forest Consortium of this institute that helps to fund a portion of the cost for the transplant. The other source of Department of Defense funding comes through the Orthopedic Trauma Research Training Program, that is based at the Institute of Surgical Research. The majority of the cost, however, for the surgery has been generously borne by the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. This is quite a consortium it's taken to accomplish the interesting outcomes that you've described to us. Dr. Lee, what's next? Where does this technology that you've been pioneering go in the future, near future or midterm future? Well, I think face transplant is the next obvious area. There are many military servicemen as well as civilians who sustained the injuries from one cause to another that resulted in significant loss of facial tissues and disfigurement. Those people can have uh, functional problems in terms of eating, speaking, or swallowing, and certainly have a lot of difficulty in social integration because of their disfigurement. So face transplant for those people offer a chance to restore their lives in social interaction as well as some of the functional activity that I mentioned. So we are hopefully starting our face transplant program in the near future. Dr. Joseph Losey, who is our chief of craniofacial surgery at UPMC Plastic Surgery, will be leading that program. Dr. Lee, uh, are there opportunities for others to participate in either the hand and arm transplantation or the forthcoming face transplantation program? Yes, we are very interested in talking to potential candidates for either hand or face transplant. Those people should call our transplant coordinator. His telephone number is 412-648-9207. We will ask people some simple questions on the phone, and if appropriate, we will invite them to come and meet with us. Dr. Lee, I'm sure that it takes many people and many different skills and disciplines to implement what you've described to us. Is that a correct presumption? Absolutely. It takes a large team from different disciplines to bring together a program such as this. I already mentioned a scientific research, which is really the foundation of our program. We have scientists from both the Tom Starzl Transplant Institute as well as the McGowan Institute of Regenerative Medicine, with whom we work very closely for our program and for devising our protocol. In addition, many clinical subspecialties are critical. As you can imagine, the surgery cannot be performed without input of orthopedic, plastic, and the hand surgeons. We benefit greatly from our strong collaboration with the transplant surgeons at the University of Pittsburgh. 
finally, there are many other specialists, such as a hematologist, infectious disease specialist, and rehabilitation specialists, particularly the occupational therapists, who work tirelessly to help our patient regain function. So it truly has been a team effort for our program to proceed. And certainly commendations to the entire team for what's been accomplished to date. Uh, Dr. Lee, thank you for joining us, and I appreciate you sharing with our audience this pioneering studies, both from a scientific as well as a clinical perspective. I remind our listeners that we welcome suggestions in terms of topics that can be covered. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. And I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine, which sponsors these podcast series. Until we meet in another two weeks with an exciting interview, best wishes to all our listeners. Thank you. Thank you.